I guess I should ask, how many of you are old enough to remember that? Anyone old enough? I remember watching the news when I was in college in 1987 and hearing Ronald Reagan say those words, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And my thought was, yeah, right. Like that's ever going to happen. As far as I was concerned, the Berlin Wall had been there forever. It had always been there in my memory. There is this stark symbol, not just a symbol, but a very real image of, of division. And then two years later, I'm sitting in my home. I turn on the TV and there's Tom Brokaw. And there's people dancing on the wall. They're singing. They're shouting. They, they bring their hammers and their picks and they, they bring their axes and they start chipping away at the wall. Machinery was brought in. And the wall came down two weeks later. Two weeks later, I'm sitting in a coffee shop in Hinesboro, Illinois, population 400. And in walks Lowell Wingler, old farmer, Lowell Wingler. And he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a piece of the Berlin Wall and he lays it down on one of the tables. And he says, look at this. I had a nephew that was over there in Germany and, and the nephew, I, I guess capitalism won because... The nephew paid a kid five bucks to go climb up the wall and cut that thing off. Capitalism took it down right there. You know, it worked. And there we were in a coffee shop looking at this. He lays it down for us to, to look at, to, to hold, to consider what, what had happened. How did this wall go from being this symbol, and again, not just a symbol, but a very real object of division and of power and of control, how did it go from that to being a conversation piece in a coffee shop half a world away? You know, it wasn't even supposed to come down. It, it wasn't supposed to come down. The East Germans had, had made the announcement they were, they were going to lift travel restrictions. They were going to offer visas. What they hadn't said was that there was still going to be a lengthy process to apply for a visa. It was still going to take a lot of time. But when the people heard that they were going to have freedom to travel, they assumed the very best. And, and they began dancing. They began chipping. And in the end, the, the people had spoken. The wall came down. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace seeks an end to walls. Peace seeks an end to anything that divides. Anything that tells some people that they are in and other people that they are out. Peace seeks an end to anything that would say you're not welcome here. And as peace is the fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives, Peace is also our mission. And we not only seek peace for ourselves, but we announce peace to the people who need it the most. We're going to be looking today in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. It's, it's in those blue Bibles on page 976. I think Paul's letter to the Ephesians is one of the most important letters in the New Testament. I think it's to me, it's one of the most important letters to me. It's a letter that has always spoken to me. Paul is writing to a church that's a mixed group. There are some Jews and there are some Gentiles. and They are two very different people. And, and the reality is, these two very different people groups have been separated for over a thousand years. But now, in Christ, they were finally together. They were in Christ. They were together. But what was that going to look like? And what does that continue to look like for us? As we continue to, to worship together and work together and serve together, what does that look like as we tear down barriers? Because the reality is, 
here we are a couple thousand years later, we still got walls. We still got walls and barriers that, that keep us apart. I've mentioned before that when, when this church was being built, the very first thing that people noticed, the first thing they saw go up was, was that wall right there. That's a block wall. That's a firewall. And if you look at it from when it was being constructed, it looks like kind of a pyramid wall. It's a big triangular looking thing out there. And that was the first thing that went up was that wall. And as it was going up, there were people who made the comment, <laughs> you, know, you know why they put that wall up? That's so they could put all the good people on one side and all the bad people on the other side. And I, I heard that and I said, show me where the bad people are because <laughs> that's where I want to be. That's going to be a lot more fun. You know, I want to be where the bad people are. Let's, let's go to that side of the wall. But that's, that's human nature. We, we want walls. We want to know who's in and who's out. We want to know who's right and who's wrong. God never intended for there to be walls. Not between Him and humanity and not between us, not between each other. And so this passage begins in Ephesians 2, verse 11. It begins with the word therefore, and we hear that and we have to stop because therefore is a transition word, right? It is a word that tells us we are moving from one thought to another. And when we see the word therefore in the Bible, we have to stop and we have to go back and we have to see what it's therefore. Why is that word there? And if we follow that word therefore backwards, we follow it back to Ephesians 2, verse 8, which says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. And then verse 9 goes on, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And that right there, that's the good news. That's, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the message of salvation. You and I do not have to work to earn our salvation. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to do this and this and this in order to earn our salvation. It is a free gift from God. Therefore, since God has provided this gift, since he has provided it equally and freely to all, what kind of life should we live? How should we treat each other since we've been given this free gift? Therefore, he goes on in verse 11, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that, it, that you were at that time separate, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's a lot of stuff in those verses. There's a lot of stuff you might not understand in those verses, and, and you don't understand them because it's not part of our world. It's not something we have to worry about. We don't really worry about circumcision and uncircumcision. That's not how we divide people. That's not how we see people anymore. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you might not understand, but what you need to see is there were people that said to other people, you don't matter. People said to other people, you, you don't matter. And you hear that in the words that Paul uses, separated, alienated strangers, having no hope, without God. Everything about those statements is contrary to the message about Jesus Christ. None of those words belong in the lives or in the mouth of a Christian. And none of them belong in the life of the church. And yet there are still walls. There's still walls. We've got people that still want walls. People say, tell me I'm doing the right thing. Tell me I'm good enough. Tell me, 
tell me that I'm in, and tell me that that person is out, because that person is doing some things that I know are wrong, and I want to know that they're out and I'm in. The thing is, walls don't even have to be block. They don't have to be brick. They don't even have to be real. We will invent walls. We'll come up with imaginary walls just to divide people. We'll divide up over the stupidest things, the most trivial things. We'll divide up over money, who's got it, who doesn't, you know? We'll divide up over, uh, over politics, left and right, Democrat, Republican. We'll divide ourselves up over that. We'll divide up over clothes, what one person wears, what you wear. What kind of food do you like? What kind of food do you like? We'll divide up over dumb things. Cubs, Cardinals. Some walls should stay up, you know, because Cubs and Cardinals is probably okay. But other than that, no, you know, we've we got to tear down those walls. But none of that, none of that is the message that we are to convey about what we do here or what we do here in our hearts. That's not who we are to be. Because while we live in a world that, that puts up walls, Jesus tears down walls. Jesus tears down the barriers to God and the barriers to each other. And you see that in the very next verse. Verse 13, he says, but now. And again, we have another transitional phrase. We have another little transitional statement. But now, you hear the transition. But now that Jesus has come, but now that the gospel is here, but now that you have been saved by grace through faith, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You know, the, Paul that, the wall that Paul is, is writing about, it was a real wall. There was a real wall in Jerusalem that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. It was a wall that said, this is as far as you can come unless you're a Jew. And he calls it a wall of hostility, and it was a hostile wall. It told the Gentiles, you can come no further, you can come no closer to God. In fact, there was a sign on that wall that said, if you take another step, you are taking your own life into your, in your own hands. It is your fault if you die, if you take another step. And then Paul says, but now, in Christ, you've been brought near. We've all been brought near. And I love verse 14. For he himself is our peace. I think that's very important for us to remember. He himself is our peace. Peace isn't just a concept. Peace isn't just a, a promise. Peace, peace is a person. He's a person that, that knows you, a person who knows your heart. Peace is someone who knows your fears. Peace is someone who knows what it is that walls you off, what it is that holds you back and holds you down. Peace is someone who knows the barriers that others have put up for you and the barriers that you've put up for yourself. Those times when you felt like you weren't good enough. Those times when you felt like you weren't welcome, that you weren't loved. Peace is someone who knows those times. Peace is Jesus. At every point in your life where you've lacked peace, you've gained Jesus. At every point in your life where you've lacked peace, you gain Jesus. That is so important for us to realize because some of us, we, we've looked for peace in other places. Some people have told us that peace is simply a matter of accepting yourself. Peace is a matter of loving yourself and accepting yourself for just who you are. What if, what if who you are is a jerk, right? What if who you are is a mess? What if who you are is, is absolutely awful? Do you, do you accept that? Sometimes we found peace 
by putting up our own barriers. We've said, you know, I'm not going to wait for that person to hurt me. I'm going to hurt them first. I'm going to put up a barrier myself first. And so we've locked others out of our lives. None of that is peace. None of that is peace. Jesus is our peace. When I was working on this message, I realized how glad I was that many of you, most of you, are older people. You know, kind of glad that some of you've got, let me take a drink real quick. I was glad that, that many of you are older because, you know, there are adults alive today. There are, there are adults, there are home-owning, tax-paying, children-raising, job-having adults today who have no memory of the Berlin Wall at all. Did you know that? I mean, it was always there as far as I was concerned. It was there the whole time I was growing up. But there are adults today who have no idea what the Berlin Wall was. You realize that the Berlin Wall has now been down longer than it was up? Did you know that? It's been down longer than it was up. It was up for 27 years. It's been down for 29 years. 29 years the Berlin Wall has been gone. I grew up in an era where it was this imposing symbol, this imposing, even though it was half a world away, it was this imposing, dreaded symbol of evil and division. And there's a whole group of people today who have no memory of that. No, it's never been there. It's just a footnote in history. Jeff, we grew up listening to music back in that era. There's a whole generation of people who have no idea what 99 Luft Balloons was all about. Do you remember 99 Luft Balloons? It was about 99 balloons accidentally sailing over the Berlin Wall and they thought that they were missiles and suddenly the whole world is wiped out because of this mistake. A whole generation we have to explain that song to. I mean, it's bad enough it's in German. We have to have it explained to us, but they, they don't get it. They don't understand that song. What about the things that, that separate us now? What about the walls that we build? What about our disagreements? You know, there's pain. <laughs> there's pain that we cause ourselves and we cause others. And there's peace that we lack for ourselves. And a lot of that feels pretty permanent. There's times when that feels permanent and it feels so imposing. What if it was all gone? What if all that was just a footnote in our own history? Just a, a faded memory. And you see, that's what Jesus came to do. That's the but now. That should be part of our now. But it's not just about what's not there anymore. It's not just about the wall that's not there. It's about what is there, about what's being built. The reality is peace builds something. Peace builds something in us that's greater than walls. Paul explains Jesus' peace in terms that spoke volumes to the Ephesians. We, we would struggle to understand them, but I want you to hear what he says in verses 14-18. through 18. He says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer uh, slave or free. There, there's no, all these divisions, they're gone. He says there is just one person now. He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man, one new person in place of the two and so make peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. There's a lot there that we don't have time to unpack. But again, I want you to hear the key words. He destroyed the barrier. He destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. He reconciled us both to God, killing all hostility. And he says he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. The message here is that no one has been left out of the promise of peace. The message to you and me is when you need peace, you've got Jesus. But it's not just about what's been torn down. It's about what gets built instead. It's not just about the wall coming down. It's what has replaced that wall. And so in verse 19, we read the word, so then. (laughs) We've got another transition here in verse 19. We've got a progression here. Because you've been saved by faith through grace, because Jesus himself is our peace, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You hear him describe the foundation there. It is wide, it is solid, and the one piece that you need the most, the cornerstone, is Jesus himself. You know, the first thing people noticed was that wall going up because you can't see it all from here, but it's really tall. It's great big. And so the first thing they saw was that wall. What they didn't notice was the foundation that went down. Now, if we were just building a wall, we could probably get by with a a little foundation. We wouldn't need much of a foundation. This foundation is huge. It's it's the size of the building, right? It, It covers the entire building. And the reason why we needed a wide foundation is we weren't building a wall, we were building a church. We are building a place for people to come in and, and gather. We are building a place for people to come together. And that's what Paul is saying here. The foundation is wide. It is solid. We didn't come to build a wall. We, we came to build a church. And what Paul is saying here is instead, instead of hostility, instead of that dividing wall of hostility, we don't just have unity. We have family. We have the, the household of God. And in place of division, we have a firm foundation. In place of a wall, we have a holy temple to the Lord. And this is what I think a lot of people miss. And maybe maybe it's something that we've missed as well. We want peace. We want peace for ourselves. We want forgiveness for ourselves. We want to know that we're welcome. We want to know that we're accepted. We want to know that we're loved and that we're forgiven. We want all of that. And in Christ, we have all of those things but we have all of those things with a purpose. And the purpose isn't simply to have peace for the sake of peace, but it's peace so we can build something together, so we can become something together. How together, without barriers, without hostility, we can build something that honors God, glorifies God. And so the question is, what are you building with the peace that you've been given? What are you building? You can't be building walls to keep everybody else out. Your peace has to do something different. Your peace has to do something for others. He says in verse 22, In Him, that is in Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are being built together to be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
We talk about the Spirit every now and then. Talk about the Holy Spirit. There's some people that go looking for experiences of the Spirit. You know, they, they kind of chase after the excitement. They want to see things. They want to feel things. They want to do things. They, they want to see just amazing things happen by the Holy Spirit. But, but listen to what Paul says here. He says the purpose of the, the Holy Spirit being given to us is so that we can build peace with one another. So we can experience peace. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of things that you can do. You can go do out there that people will tell you, this is the Spirit, this is the Spirit, this is the Spirit. But if, if the Spirit isn't moving in peace, if the Spirit isn't moving in, in unity, if, it, if the Spirit is not healing broken relationships and bringing re- unity to, to people's lives and, and to the lives of a community, that's not what the Spirit does. That's not the Spirit. When you need peace, you've got Jesus. And you've got Jesus because you've got each other. There's a really, there is a sad testimony. There's a very sad testimony to the lack of understanding about what you're supposed to do with peace. And that sad testimony is the remains of the Berlin Wall. It's a sad testimony to what peace shouldn't be like. I remember when the wall fell. I remember when that wall came down. The media was there. Tom Brokaw was there. You you saw Tom Brokaw there. Entertainers were there. There were rock bands playing on the wall. I think I remember David Hasselhoff in his car, you know, Knight Rider, right there at the Berlin Wall. And all these entertainers, all these, all these people who were famous right there on the wall, singing, rallying, celebrating. Where was the church? Where was the church? Didn't show up. A year later, in 1990, some people said, well, we ought to get Billy Graham to come over. So Billy Graham, 1990, went over and preached at the Brandenburg Gate, right there where the people would come through. And afterwards, Billy told the story about one East German woman who had lived under communism, under that oppression, had her faith suppressed. He told about one East German woman who who said to him, when we first came to the West, we thought we would hear church bells ringing. We didn't. She said, when we first came to the West, we thought we would be handed a Bible. Do you know what they had to do to get Bibles in East Germany? They had to sacrifice. They had to scrape. They had to hand copy the whole thing and then keep them guarded. She thought we'd be handed a Bible. She said we were handed $50 and told that we could go buy whatever we wanted in the luxury shops in the West. That's what we were given. She said what we really needed to hear was the voice of God. The sad reality is that that wall's been down for 29 years. And the churches of East and West Germany are still not really united. They don't really support each other. There's still no peace between those churches. There's no message. There's no good news. There's no gospel being shared because no one really cares. And I think there's a lesson there. Don't miss the opportunity that Jesus gives you to know peace. Don't miss the opportunity. When peace shows up, you jump at that opportunity to know peace, to show peace, and to share peace. And if there is a wall around your heart, a wall that that keeps God out or keeps others out or keeps hope out, Paul's message in Ephesians is that Jesus has already torn down that wall. But the call is now to examine what are you building? What are we building together? Are we building a place where others can meet Jesus? Are we building a place where others can know His peace, where they can know His freedom? 
Are we building a place where people know that they matter? And that everything that has ever held them back or held them down has been torn down in Jesus. I guarantee you there's people in our community that need to hear that. There's people in your life that need to hear that. There may be people here in this room right now who are thinking to themselves, I'm, I've never known that kind of peace. You've preached about it. You've talked about it. You've sung some really nice songs about it. That's not my experience. We need to make sure it is. Next week, we're wrapping up the look at peace. Every time I preach on a message like this, I mean, I bring out the Word of God and I tell you the way it ought to be. I tell you this, this is how it is. And it is. I, I, I guarantee you, this is the way it should be. And every time I do that, someone's going to sit back and say, and I, I get these all the time, someone says, yeah, but... Yeah, but you don't know about my situation. Yeah, but you don't know what I've had to put up with. Yeah, but you don't know about my... Name the relative that you want to name at that moment. You don't know about this person I work for. You don't know about this person I work with. Yeah, but... So next week's sermon is titled, Yeah, But. Because even in those moments when you've got a yeah, but, and some people have a big yeah, but, Even in those moments when you've got a yeah, but, Jesus has an answer. And the answer is peace. There is a yeah, but peace. And we're going to talk about that next week. Right now, though, would you stand with me as we pray? Father, when we were broken, when our lives have been walled off from you, you sent your son not only to announce peace, not just to pay for peace, but to be our peace. There are people around us who have no idea that you have peace available for them. I pray that our lives and our hearts and our attitudes and our actions prove that we are building something to share with them. Lord, you've already torn down the walls. So give us hearts that keep them down. Give us hearts to build a place where people can be loved. We want to do this to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring wholeness. But we also want to do it to your glory. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.